0: Today's episode of White Sox Business is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. That's all one word, SalvationArmyUSA.org. Perform on the field. People will come. It doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Hello. Welcome to a very special episode of White Sox Business. What makes it special? Well, I'm glad you asked in my own voice. It's special because it's an episode that doesn't only include the two of us. There is a third voice.
1: Nor Dan Hayes.
0: (laughs) Nor Dan Hayes. It belongs actually to a White Sox player because for the first time in the long Illustrious, this is the 61st episode history of White Sox business. We have a real life White Sox player on the show, and it's one we've talked about a lot. So we were excited to get him. Lucas Giolito joins us for about a half hour long interview. We got into a lot of stuff. It was a good interview. I think you'll enjoy it. Before we get to that interview, though, I should probably introduce myself. I'm your host, Tom Fernelli, and joining me is my competent co host. There's a compliment for you, James. The Athletics White Sox reporter James Fegan. James, did interviewing a baseball player, even over the internet on Zoom, help return a sense of normalcy to your life?
1: Uh, no, not really, because I I think our goodbye was still awkward because it, it's hard because he's over Zoom. So, uh, no, still still living in shame. Were you wearing
0: clothes while the, during this interview, at least?
1: Uh, yes, but it also was the same stuff I was wearing yesterday. <laughs> James.
0: Don't worry, I'm wearing the same stuff I wore yesterday, too. It's no big deal.
1: Uh, I, I think your your whispering is probably being picked up on the mic. I don't know. Oh,
0: shit. All right. Well, I, I meant to text that to you. Oh, damn. Oh, well, yeah. No, I'm wearing, I mean, my official quarantine uniform has been T-shirt, sweatpants, and then uh, occasionally a hoodie. I
1: I, I tried to switch it up. I swap between uh, one pair of sweatpants and one pair of gym shorts. So I, I feel like I'm keeping it a bit fresher than you are. I've
0: I well listen first of all I am a sweatpant connoisseur. I have like 6 different pairs.
1: That I think it's the maximum allowed by yeah. uh, Illinois state law.
0: Yeah. So I I mean I rotate through them and then I've got about another 6 pairs of basketball shorts. It's just it hasn't really I mean there was a couple days where it was warm enough to wear basketball shorts but for the most part it it's been sweatpants and I don't think I'm trying to I don't remember the last time I
1: wore jeans. Uh you know something that's overlooked. It's always warm enough to wear basketball shorts in your home, um, true. Which is is where I am at all I times. Th- I
0: think that the last time I wore jeans was probably the day before things got like locked down because I had to go somewhere to do something. And I, as as lazily dressed as I am at home, when I do leave the house, I try to wear you know quote unquote outside clothes like my fancy clothes <laughs> like my jeans.
1: Well, I, I would just normally wear jeans, but uh, yeah, I've probably been dressing up a bit more because I haven't, like, washed my jeans, so I have like, I wore, like, slacks and, a, like, a button shirt when I went to go grocery shopping <laughs> yesterday. Well, I'm, I'm
0: happy to know that you're wearing nice, fancy clothes to go grocery shopping. I wonder what Lucas Giolito was wearing during our interview. We didn't have the video on, so we couldn't tell. Should have asked
1: him. Definitely damn, would have taken it. it the right way.
0: Cam, get him back on. <laughs> we gotta ask. No, uh, so yeah, let's let's skip all these formalities. Let's let's get to the interview because again, it was a good interview. It's a nice one, but we will be back afterwards to talk about some more stuff, including the anniversary of a very interesting event that's coming up here in a few days. But let's listen to Lucas Giolito first. Thank you for getting up early on a Thursday morning to talk to us.
2: No problem. I'm I'm up anyways. Uh I, I, I'm usually lifting right around this time, so I'm just pushing that back a little bit joining you guys here lift I'll see you get up in the morning to lift I get up in the morning to
0: drink coffee and read the internet so that might be one of the reasons our, our athletic careers have taken divergent paths <laughs> yeah
2: I do I do my reading of the internet as well but uh, it's usually after I get my responsibilities for the day over with
0: <laughs> so like, so you start your day with lifting but I think that your other main responsibility right now is is your burgeoning twitch career. How how is that going? You've been on there quite a bit. I know you're in a league for MLB The Show, but I've seen you. You've been playing Valorant. You've been playing a bunch of games.
2: Yeah, so I've always been a big video game guy, um, starting from when I was little, watching my dad playing Legend of Zelda, uh, going to his studio and hanging out with all the developers. Uh, It's always been a huge hobby interest of mine, and I've debated streaming over the last few years. Um I've been a twitch fan probably for about five years. and uh, it just got to that point where it's like, man, we have all this downtime right now. I'm just stuck in the house. Like why not share my interests with the world? So uh, here I am.
1: Well, what, did, oh, go ahead. James. Did, given your dad's uh you know working for EA and everything, did you ever get the chance to like test stuff out before it comes out or anything like that?
2: yeah yeah i i would um every once in a while go in and see what the video game testers were doing those guys it's a crazy job you like play the same level over and over and over again for hours and you're just looking for bugs so i'd sometimes watch what they were doing i would like i would be able to like uh play games before all the animations were put in they have all the like placeholder uh polygons and all that weird stuff going on so uh, it was definitely it was definitely cool um i got to learn a little bit of the ins and outs of uh what makes a video game and and how much work work it takes so i always appreciate whenever i get to play a good one
0: i I feel like that would be the coolest thing ever to be a kid whose dad's working for like ea (laughs) And getting all that because I mean every single game I played for the most part growing up was like an EA game. But uh, what what's your favorite video game to play right now?
2: Man, I'd say right now it's probably MLB The Show, just because of the tournament we have going on the Players League. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely the most like excitement, um, kind of the most nervous I've I've ever been playing <laughs> a video game. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> adding a whole nother level to it. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Yesterday, I had a pretty good day, and I'm back on uh, Friday for four more games in the league. Do,
0: do you feel more pressure when you're actually on the mound or when you're in your house with your virtual
2: Lucas on the mound? I, honestly, I, I know this sounds weird, but the uh, latter. Uh, it doesn't
0: sound weird at all. I completely like, understand
2: playing the video game where there's so many things that are kind of out of your control, I guess you could say, um, you know, sports video games, there's always a level of like something weird could happen, like an error, right? Like I had mm-hmm. a, I had a, um, I had a situation one of my games last night where I had, I think the runners on first and second, and I had a tailor made double play ball right to the shortstop the TA and he just boots the ball. And it's like, there's no button you press to field the ball. You just like move move the character to where the ball's going to be. And then it's like, the game then calculates uh, whether it's going to be an error or whether it's going to be a clean play. And so that just kind of bit me a little bit, Uh, again, completely out of my control. Uh, Same thing, like all... Try and throw like a fastball down and away to the corner, and I will execute it perfectly as far as like the power up behind the pitch, and then like the accuracy. It's like a whole meter system, and it will still be a ball. So there's all sorts of things that are a little bit out of your control that kind of keeps it interesting. Um, you could square up a ball perfectly and and think that it's going to be a homer, and then it's just like a hard ground ball right to the shortstop. Uh, all sorts of weird stuff like that. So it. I think that it kind of balances it balances it out for guys that aren't as skilled in the game, gives them a good chance and and it keeps things interesting. Did Is you fire it? an angry text to Tim afterwards? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not blaming any of uh any of my virtual teammates for their miscues on the field.
1: I I I think I watched like 10 minutes of you um like practicing uh the other day and mm-hmm. I, I would agree with your assessment that they uh they they egregiously underrated Evan marshall in that game but yeah, is, is they, it weird is it weird to have like your yourself and your entire peers and like this ratings readout of everybody uh to kind of like peruse through and play with
2: yeah it's it's very interesting um it's a bit frustrating looking at the white sox ratings to be honest um the game favors. Big market teams and teams that uh, consistently go to the postseason, obviously. So, like Dodgers, Yankees, uh, Astros, uh, Red Sox, all those teams, their the player ratings are going to be higher to reflect a better overall rating for the team. The White Sox ratings are not very good. I think that our highest rated player is Yasmani at like a uh, eighty two or an eighty three. And then we got uh, Abreu at like 81 or 82, and then I'm an 80. So everybody else is kind of falling into the 70s and 60s after that. Uh, I don't think it's 100% accurate to how skilled the players on our team are. Um, I think that Yoan Mancada being in the 70s is a bit ridiculous. It's an outrage. Um, obviously, Evan Marshall being a 58 overall is probably in my opinion one of the worst ratings I've ever seen in a video game considering uh how good his stuff is in the season he had last year um all that bullpen work he had for us um I just think that there's like they have like a certain algorithm and they also have to kind of play to how well the teams have been playing so uh I think that uh if we can get back out on the field in real life and and start to show uh, start to show uh the league what what we're capable of as a team then our ratings will start to reflect that
0: is is there anybody in the league representing the astros
2: oh uh, yeah one, uh lance mccullers
0: are you worried about like a second screen situation
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so it's like so the so the good thing is that um i am live streaming all my games on twitch but there is a delay so whoever i'm playing against they can't pull up my if they okay, pull cool, up cool. My Twitch cool it would still be on like an eight second delay so kind of similar to the the monitors we have in the clubhouse
0: when you play and you should have have your wife like bang a trash can in the background
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well the, here's the thing like when I, whenever I'm streaming especially if I'm playing MLB and someone asks me a question or I even mention like the Astros or, or Houston or their ballpark or anything then it's like the the Twitch chat immediately lights up with bang 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 <laughs> you know this that and I'm like all right here we go again I've already addressed this.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're they're just going to have to wear it for a little while. Yeah, for sure. Well, you you mentioned that, you know, you start your days with lifting, like getting back to you and not the video game world, but the real world and baseball. Mm -hmm. I mean, how have you if if, what kind of changes have you made to your regiment, if any, while dealing with this situation where everything's been shut down to stay in shape and help make sure that you keep ready for, you know, in case the season starts up here soon or they want to get they're able to get going. What are you doing to make sure that you're still in shape?
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm able to get my full lifting conditioning routine in. Um, like, honestly, thank God my wife and I decided kind of towards the end of the off season to start putting together like a home gym in our garage. Uh, we got a squat rack, we got a bunch of, uh, weights and, and various things. We got a Peloton bike. Um, and so, kind of the situation being what it is uh, coming home and having that available to me on a daily basis is huge. Uh, I've put in order and I've received a bunch of other equipment um, ever since I, I mean, I think I started looking for stuff on the internet, like towards my tail end of my time in Arizona on my way back here. Uh, I got more weights on the way, more, you know, equipment, things like that. Uh, for throwing, that's where it gets a little interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I am, I am like pretty much counting all my throws. I am tracking uh, my workload. Um, pretty much right now, throwing like five, six days a week. Uh, maintenance type of situation. The only downside is not having a catcher. Obviously, throwing by myself. So I have a net in my backyard. Uh, I also live two blocks away from a park that has softball fields and uh one of the one of the fields has like a very tall chain link fence so i can simulate long toss into that chain link fence and i have a a device that can that i have on my arm that can actually kind of tell me how much like stress i'm putting on my arm to help track with Mm -hmm. a a workload Mm -hmm. so i'm kind of having to like you know finagle a few things and and i'm kind of using the technology uh available to me to be able to play catch by myself and really keep my eye on um how much stress i'm putting on my arm and and making sure i'm staying in kind of like the green zone
1: do you have a fence that you can uh tie the core velocity belt up to
2: <laughs> actually i got uh i got ariana holding the uh, cords for me <laughs> yeah so when she's not, when she's not busy, uh, working, working, uh, with, uh, the nonprofit and all, all of her veterinary school work, I'll have her come out to the, uh, well, actually the front yard, um, I'm using the slope of the driveway for that. Uh, I'm still waiting on my portable pitching mound that I ordered. Uh, I'm sure that like those big things like that take a bit to get here. So I'm using the slope of the driveway for the core velocity belt stuff. Um, When I go to that park to throw, there's like a pretty nice slope near that uh, chain link fence that I'm able to kind of simulate, uh, you know, throwing downhill with as well.
1: Has there been an instance where someone is walking through the park and they see like some... Six foot six guy, like doing like heavy duty, like throwing work uh, in the middle of the park and wonder, like, like do a double take on you or anything like that?
2: Yeah, I there's been a few kids like, you know, scootering, skateboarding by there. They'll take a look and and seem kind of confused and interested. Um, I've you know, there's been a few I live in a, in a neighborhood with like a lot of uh, elderly people. And they'll be walking their dogs and and every once in a while I'll hear like a Steve Reich and things like that. <laughs> um, I don't think anybody here knows who I am, uh, which is probably a good thing. And uh, they probably think that I'm just like some crazy, uh, you know, baseball fan that just wants to throw as much as possible. I mean, I'm there pretty much every day. I see the same people on their walks all the time.
0: They probably just think you play for the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, so obviously that sounds like you're you've got a lot going for you where you're able to you know stay in shape, so that's good now what what's this pitching mound that I heard you ordered it's what is it exactly
2: yeah, it's just it's one of those portable pitching mounds uh made of like rubber uh it's got that like felt top i guess uh all the like indoor facilities have' um, uh-huh.
0: Um, oh, okay. Okay. Now, okay. Now I get what you're saying. I was just yeah, like, wait, if you,
2: I can can I go on Amazon and order one of those? <laughs> no, I, you have to like go direct through the companies I want to okay, say. Cool. Um, I, yeah, that was, uh, it, that was all like through my agency being able to work out getting one of those. All
0: right. So when, when you are on the mound, you know, you, you like to pitch inside, uh, is, is there a way that you try to balance pitching inside with, not trying to hit guys or do you just kind of have to say you know fuck it and if somebody gets hit by a pitch oh well you know it happens because like throughout your career you, you've always pitched inside but aside from 2018 you don't really hit a lot of guys so how, how do you find that balance where you command the inner part of the plate while the risk of putting a guy on base
2: yeah i you kind of hit the nail on the head like i don't care if i hit someone Honestly, uh, we're competing. It is what it is. Uh, if I'm going to go inside, I really want to go in or miss in. Uh, I do miss, I'll be trying to go inside and miss over the middle, a good amount that happens. Um, but that's usually the goal, like go in, miss in. Uh, I like to pitch inside. I think that I'm big on changing eye levels, but I think also think it's very important to go in and out as well. And, uh, you know, with, me knowing what kind of fastball I have, throwing it inside on the hands is always a plus. So I
1: was talking to Tom about it because he was, I was telling him the story about you hitting Max Fried in high school. And he mm-hmm. is like, Oh, that's, that sounds like a, a great story. I was like, Oh, Lucas kind of views it as one of the worst things that's ever happened to him on a baseball field. I don't, I don't think he like thinks it's funny or anything like that.
2: Yeah, it's like, it's like mildly amusing now. Um, <laughs> yeah, everybody's okay. Just because, yeah, because everyone's okay. And Max and I are very good friends. And uh, I mean, it didn't even, it didn't like affect their friendship even when it happened. Like it broke his nose, but he was used to it. He's broken his nose like two or three times before that already. So. Um,
1: but I was saying at the same time, one of your big influences is Bob Gibson, who is one of the,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who, made an art out of pitching inside and was very much of the attitude of like, that's my, that's my half of the plate. I'm going to command it. And you know, what happens to you happens. So yeah, it, it's kind of like a, a balance between like you obviously, you don't want to hurt people, but also you want to be the guy who's being dominant and being commanding of the inside half of the plate. And we were just kind of like wondering how that you walk that line between those two.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, what's funny is when I was younger, so like that Matt, that story about hitting max actually kind of falls in line with that, especially when I was like in little league and early days of travel ball. So I'm talking like 10 to 13 years old. I had no idea where the ball was going and I would like hurt kids and send them to the hospital. Um, you know, just hitting kids in the head, throwing way too hard for the 46 foot pitchers mound of little league. Um, and I would feel really bad all the time, <laughs> really, really bad. Uh, and then kind of over the years, I just kind of learned that, hey, this is part of baseball. Um, I started to learn how to actually control where I was throwing the ball. And, you know, backing someone up off the plate and making them uncomfortable is a big part of, uh, you know, the way that I like to pitch. Uh Obviously, like you said, a big influence of mine's Bob Gibson. And that was like, you know, one A of what he liked to do. Uh if and if someone even looked at him wrong, he was throwing it up near their face. And obviously we can't do that in today's game anymore, or at least as much anymore, but it's that kind of like psychological, competitive, um, I don't know, all that stuff put together. I think that uh, it, it kind of helps to create a complete picture.
0: We mentioned Max Freed; He's your friend. You guys were high school teammates. But your senior year at Harvard Westlake High School in, in, in L.A., it was you, Freed, and you were only two of the, f- at least at future first round MLB draft picks on that team because Jack Flaherty was on that team too. He was, what, a sophomore, I believe, in your senior season? Yes. So,
2: like, did you guys ever lose a game? Uh, yeah. So we get that question a lot. Um, we did, we did. I, I actually ended up my senior year blowing my elbow out like in my third start. So I won my first two starts and then my third start was actually kind of a bit of a grinder. And then I ended up tearing my UCL in like the sixth or seventh inning. So my season was done. Um, Jack had to kind of slide into the rotation. Uh, he was only a sophomore, so he obviously didn't have like the, uh, stuff that you see him Mm -hmm. having now in the MLB, obviously he was still developing very young. Uh, he pitched extremely well his sophomore year and then his junior year and senior year. He was like all world. Um, but yeah, I mean, me going down, uh, kind of hurt the team the depth chart a little bit uh so we didn't kind of realize our true potential uh that season um but then jack went and did it all himself like two years later and they won everything but
0: so you're saying if if not for the injury you guys would have been undefeated it wasn't your fault it was everybody else's
2: (laughs) i think i i don't think that we would have been undefeated um like for instance, like I we would have lost that game. I pitched even even if I didn't uh, injure myself that game. I don't know how much of like the injury had to do with my poor, I wouldn't say poor pitching performance, but we were definitely losing. Uh, I think that we would have played very very well, uh, probably gotten to like the state championship and all that if I was still good. Um, I think that me going down was also kind of a confidence killer for for the team in a way. But uh, no, they, they battled uh, pretty hard, made it relatively deep into the playoffs. Uh, it sucked that I wasn't a part of it though.
1: I, I As someone who kind of worked on like two, I worked on a story about talking to Ed Farmer's uh, friends when he, when he passed away. And I saw that you tweeted about kind of your interactions with him and it, it was funny because uh, a lot of Ed's friends talked about how humorously, like, bl- blunt he could be and that he had, yes. like, this really dry sense of humor. And-, and Darren Jackson even talked about kind of telling people who hadn't met Ed the first time, like, he's a little different. And mm-hmm. from talking to your dad, he mentioned how he he would say that almost you, you take everyone very seriously uh, and-, and very earnestly and that you almost um, it-, it takes time for you to to adjust to somebody who's maybe very sarcastic. So I was kind of yeah. wondering what your interactions, your first interactions with Ed were like and how you guys got to know each other. Cause you seem like contrasting styles, if, if that makes sense. Yeah,
2: definitely contrasting styles. Um, yeah, I, like you said, it, it took a, 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 f- a minute to kind of figure out his personality and, and how to interact with it. But he was super cool to me like from the get go and, uh I'll I'll tell this story real quick like when the first time I met him I don't remember if it was at like Sox Fest or spring training whether he was coming into the the uh clubhouse in spring training or uh we were just like in like a lobby of a hotel in SoxFest. Fest I I don't remember but I remember he calls me over and I had no idea who he was yet this is you know my first day I'm still meeting a bunch of people I don't know like half the coaching staff So I go over and he introduced himself Ed Farmer. um, And I could, you know, just like from the way he was talking, I was like, oh, this guy's important, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I didn't know that he was doing radio. I didn't didn't know anything, but I could tell that he was important. And he just immediately goes into this story. And he's like, he's basically saying, uh, I had you as our guy. I had you as our guy. I'm like, w- what do you mean? Like, we're like, you were looking at me for the trade and everything. He was like, no, 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 no. Before that, before that, I'm like, well, okay. I, I didn't really know what to say. He was, he was uh, you know, talking very sternly. Uh, and I was a bit confused, but he kind of went into this story about how, kind of going back to the Harvard Westlake thing, he was like, I I had you as our guy at Harvard Westlake. I saw you pitch. I think it was against this team. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, good memory. I didn't. I don't even remember that game. It was like a preseason game where I threw like one inning or two innings. It was like a tune-up. He was like uh, that fastball, that curveball, like I had you as our guy. I was telling everybody in the front office, like this is our guy. And... I was like, "Damn, well, White Sox passed me up." He's like, "I know, I know." Or Courtney Hawkins, I, who did not work out. Yeah, well. For them. yeah. He was like, "I, I know, I know, I I, 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 He was, you know, going on and on. I don't want to like use the language he was using on here, um, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I'm here now. You know, this is this is good, and uh, you know, I'm happy that that you had me picked." And he was just kind of going on. He was like. It, and then it went from like that story right into like pitching advice, and he started telling his own stories of his days of pitching. And um, dang, my my memory is so bad when it comes to like stories and things like that. I wish that I could remember. Uh, but it, he started talking about how he would use his curveball and um, like hitters he would face, and like pitching inside and not giving a shit, and this and that and the other and i was like wow like the conversation went on for like 25 minutes my first time ever meeting him and i just walked away from it like man that was something you know like <laughs> it was ed a farmer, whirlwind yeah yeah ed farmer okay and that continued you know like every you know, at 2018 like every single plane ride he'd sit in the same seat and i'd walk by him and if I like pitch that night or I pitched like the night before, whether it was good, bad, like he'd call me over, we'd have a little conversation. He kind of like kept me going. He was like, giving me little tips and, and things like that. And, uh, obviously a lot more smiles in 2019, walking past him on the plane and, and, uh, hearing more stories and, um, yeah, it was, it was always fun, always fun talking to Farmia.
1: So you've probably talked about your turnaround after 2018 uh, millions of times. I've I've written about it a lot and Mm -hmm. talked to you a bit more about it this spring. And uh, you mentioned how your wife was big on telling you to to kind of leave your comfort zone. Yeah. And I think I have one question that's still nagging at me, um, kind of weighing everything out. And as a fellow married person, uh, (laughs) how did you overhaul your mechanics while in the final stage of wedding planning? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah. oh man um, it, the big thing was keeping it simple uh, first of all having an amazing wedding planner uh, she killed it for us it made both me and Ariana's job very easy when it came to the wedding planning side uh, Ari was heavily involved I kind of picked up the slack I did, the, I did cake tasting that was my favorite part of wedding planning <laughs> I had to do that solo because Ari had like exams or something. Um, You soldiered through though. I'm sorry. I said you soldiered through. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, Oh man, it was, it was, it was honestly just like having a routine, keeping it simple. Like when it came to the baseball stuff, completely separate. uh, That was all in the morning, wake up, you know, do my lifts, throwing, uh, doing my drills. It was all very much part of a plan on a daily basis. And then afternoon, okay, like what do we got? Uh, how close are we to the date? What do we need to work on? So, and like I said before, the wedding planner, unbelievable, uh, really not, not too much responsibility, uh, with everything she was doing.
1: What cake did you go with?
2: Oh man, I think I think we had two flavors. Uh, one of them, man, I don't know. Like that whole night's such a blur now. I don't even remember. I was gonna say if everything that happens at a person's like- wedding, the cake is probably the
0: flavor of cake is probably not at the top of memories. Yeah, I, I don't really that,
2: remember mine either. I think that one of I think one of them was. Uh, carrot that was like the side cake just because like that's my favorite flavor of cake um i don't know i don't know carrot cake massively underrated yeah my opinion yeah if you if you take the raisins out i'm all for it's my favorite ever yeah, no, I'm a big carrot
0: cake guy too. Okay, well, we appreciate that you've spent this much time with us. So before we let you go, though, we've got two listener questions for you. So cool. first one comes from at Baller Librarian. Who is your least favorite hitter to face who isn't named Mike Trout?
2: Mm. I'd probably say Nelson Cruz. Really? Uh, that, I had that game against him last year where I gave up three homers on three different pitches in three consecutive at bats. <laughs> I, I remember
0: that game. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. No, it was I, like I, fastball changeup curveball or fastball changeup slider, homer, homer, homer. Yeah. Do you, was Nelson's that on your mind doing that
1: at all? Uh, I mean, he's the guy you struck out to cap the shutout in uh, Minneapolis. Yeah. Was that on your mind at all during that?
2: No, I never. When I'm in the moment, when I'm playing, I'm never like thinking about past at bats or anything like that. Um, you know, doing scouting. Obviously, that's the time to think about it and try and put together a better game plan. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, they just really that one game they really got to me, and and then uh, my next start against the Twins is when I had my uh, vengeance, I guess you could say.
0: All right, last question from a listener if there this is from at mad at spoon which i guess they're a fork person if there was one change you could make to major league baseball on or off the field what would it be one change
2: oh i don't know um i've never even like really considered i'm kind of happy with where it's at um
0: I'll say based on what you did with your with your uh, MLB the Show career it would be get rid of DH and allow pitchers to hit in.
2: <laughs> I'm hitting 500. I'm 1 yeah, for see? 2. I mean <laughs> um, the proof's in the pudding. <laughs> yeah, I I'm trying to think of of something. I I'd say I for me if it, no one else would agree with me on this, I'm like the one guy in the league just get rid of the video room for players until after the game. Like no, no going, like bring it back to the old school, like just sit in the dugout. And, you know, if you need to make an adjustment, like go to your mental video, not go and stare at the screen for five minutes in between innings.
0: That's an interesting answer. I I, I get what you're saying, though. It's kind of, you know, it's like a figure it out kind of thing. Don't don't get too overly reliant yeah, on the video and swamp your mind with all the information. Now,
2: that would never happen. The advantage goes pitcher there. Um mm-hmm. Pitchers will go in the video room in between innings every once in a while to like see like where they missed if they like gave up a hit or if they didn't execute a pitch properly. You can see where that pitch ended up if you like pulled your head and didn't see it. Um, but hitters will go in and like slow it down, different angles, look at their swing, see the timing, watch uh, the pitchers. Delivery over and over and over again. Try and get timing down all that kind of stuff uh, mid-game um, I think a lot of hitters are used to that and rely on that a lot So if that rule were to take effect, it would definitely be advantage pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not I don't really care about watching video during the game. So like again, I'm saying this rule change just to be selfish <laughs>
0: That's that's those are the best rule changes. The ones that benefit you the most. That's the way you want to go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, seriously, thank you for joining us and giving us as much time as you did. We really appreciate it. And I know that James is hoping that one day soon you two can be together
2: in a clubhouse so he can pester (laughs) you with more questions in person. I know I miss it. It's crazy. We should be in. I don't know. We should be on like a road trip or something somewhere right now. It's crazy. All right. Well,
0: again, thank you for joining us, Lucas. We really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah thanks, awesome. Lucas.
2: Yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate you. All
0: right. Well, we'd like to, again, thank Lucas for waking up early. It's, it was 9 a.m. his time. You can kind of, When he first got on Zoom before we started the interview, you could kind of tell he was still a little groggy, but he, he was able to join us. and He was great. I mean, he gave us a half hour of his time, which is, you know, more than we can usually get James to give us. Honestly, it, it was a bigger hassle getting James to do it than it is Lucas. So we appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope maybe we can have Lucas back on the show again in the future. But we're going to go how, to the past I mean, now.
1: How many articles has Lucas written during the shutdown? I believe, I believe uh, it's at zero. So
0: he's a, we, we went over his <laughs> how many, how many articles Twitch streamer. I mean, I don't know. But he's, he's, he's doing his best to represent the White Sox and MLB The Show. He's a team player. All right? He's not blaming Tim for making errors in the game, like yeah, he, most he, of the fans are. Yeah, <laughs> but no, we're, we're we're gonna go. We wanted to talk because uh, this episode's coming out on on Monday. What the twentieth? <laughs> it's four twenty, man. Sweet, should have baked, gotten baked, bro. But no, in a couple days, it's gonna be April twenty second, which means it will be the twentieth anniversary of one of my favorite moments as a White Sox fan the brawls with the detroit tigers if you remember it's one of the probably like we you see a lot of baseball fights that aren't really fights this was a fight that there was plenty of fighting and there were actually it was april 22nd the year 2000 there were two separate fights in the game although technically there were three because i feel like the first fight was two fights but for some back yeah, there is
1: a lot of like re aggravations yeah, it, like, you it was almost restarting the, up you could almost put the seventh inning brawl as three separate fights if you wanted to
0: sixth inning or no, yeah, you're right, the 7th. Yeah, because in the it was the bottom of the 6th. Jeff Weaver, after giving up an RBI double to Chris Singleton that made it 5-1 White Sox, he hit Carlos Lee with a pitch. The Whites, he was then removed from the game. The White Sox would score three more, so now it's a full-blown blowout, 8-1. Jim Parquet, who was pitching for the White Sox, is like, all right, I got a 7-run lead. Seems like a good time to uh, avenge Carlos. He leads off the 7th by... Going up and in on Dean Palmer, hitting him, like, right in the left shoulder. Dean Palmer responds like you would expect him to respond. He charges the mound. And my favorite moment is, like, Parquet's all squared up, getting ready for him, ready, for, you know, trying to get in, like, good tackling position. And Palmer just stops and, like, rifles his helmet into Parquet's face. It's,
1: like, super, like, 1950s chess pass of his, yeah, uh- like.
0: It was, <laughs> Jerry West was like that was a fucking great pass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bob Knight like stood up in his uh, his seat in his office on scene. It is
0: uh I mean if if you watch the fight on YouTube it's great to hear like Hawk and DJ calling it because Hawk's Hawk's going on he's like, "Oh, I don't think Weaver hit Carlos on purpose, but I think Jim Parquet did the right thing." And Darren Jackson's like, "Oh, hell yeah, he did. You got to protect your players." And oh yeah, was-
1: it's it's clearly it's like a relic from another time, and it's it's. I almost wonder like how much role that fight and the fact that they all got like crazy suspended um, mm-hmm. was kind of like a changing of the guard and how brawls used to be because it was very much like it's being announced and there's like a tigers a video from the tiger side out there too where it's very much like this is a thing that happens this is yes. how this pr- gets played out. um Like there was some like debate about cheap shots and the fact that like Bill Seamus and. uh Keith Folk both got like jumped by like six people yeah the and- quote
0: the quote from Hawk during it all when when Keith Folk was on the bottom of a pile getting beaten up he had a black eye he had to get stitches but the quote from Hawk was there are a whole bunch of tigers on a White Sox player which out of context sounds like a Netflix documentary
1: <laughs> right but uh it, there, there's like a lot of debate about like the 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 ethics of of fighting but not like oh this is ugly this is bad this shouldn't happen and certainly like not even the fact like jim parquet you know you're you're told if you're gonna hit somebody you're supposed to like you know hit him in the butt and like go below the waist he he really risks like um you know changing dean palmer's face by a few inches but there's a lot of debate of like the ethics within brawling but there's not any question about like brawling being you know and and retaliation pitches being just something that happens and i almost wonder how heavily these guys got suspended and the fact that like you know even all the managers and coaches like got got significant suspensions was a bit of frank Robson kind of changing and trying to move mlb away from that uh because it seemed like it caught a lot of guys off guard it's kind of reading their reaction to just how long they all got suspended
0: yeah because that first fight that there were two of them and it you know like you mentioned the the punishments to summarize everything that happened there were 11 total ejections in the game but there were sixteen players who were ultimately, or sixteen people were ultimately suspended for a total of eighty-two games. Dean Palmer got eight because when they started fighting again in the ninth inning, after uh, Bob Howie hit Shane Halter in the ninth, it was fourteen to four. And by the way, that was the second person to get hit by a pitch. Davy Cruz led off the inning and was hit by a pitch by Tanyan Sturts, which did not lead to a fight. But then when Howery
1: hit, everyone just kind of said, eh, Tanyan Sturts,
0: yeah, he's going to do that." But when Howery does it, it's like, "Hey, wait." <laughs> So another, another kerfuffle begins, and Dean Palmer, who had been ejected after the first fight and was in the clubhouse, came out from the clubhouse back onto the field and got into the second fight. So because of that, as among the players, he got the longest suspension of all. He got eight games. Uh, Bobby Higginson, Robert Fick, and Maglio each got five. Maglio was uh, going at it with Jeff Weaver for a while. There's There's a possible phantom kick in there.
1: Uh, yeah, he, I think there's a quote from him that he got suspended five for almost landing a kick. Uh, he like he's Someone was asking him, about it. I was like, oh, you kicked a guy, didn't he? He's like, I almost did. I got suspended for almost landing a kick. <laughs> uh, the managers, Phil Gardner and Jerry
0: Manuel, both got eight. But the best suspension was for Tigers pitching coach Juan Samuel who got 15. Now why does a pitching coach get a 15 game suspension? Because the pitching coach was doing more fighting than anybody else. Yeah, he was part. part of
1: jumping Seamus.
0: Yes. So it's like the coaches in these roles, they're, they're their defined role for these things is supposed to be his peacekeeper, try to break it up. Nope, not Juan Samuel. <laughs> He's like fuck you. I'm going in. I'm going Which for blood.
1: Just makes it disappointing this this fight was pre-coop. He was still the minor league pitching director at this time.
0: You think Coop? I see. Here's the thing. I don't think Coop's jumping into the 4A. I think Coop's just standing on the outside, like, these fucking morons. What the fuck?
1: I don't know. No, it was we got a pitch ago. inside.
0: Fucking deal with it. You know, the inside part of the play. We're trying to get, get the inside part of the play. We're just trying to get strikes. Okay. You got hit by a fucking pitch. Fucking deal with it. It's part of the fucking job. Don't be a
1: fucking baby. It's 20 years ago. He was, you know, fresher nah, off see, his playing career.
0: I don't think Coop's going to be. Jumping Maybe he
1: sees Samuel mixing in there. and He said, "Look, well, I got to protect my guys. You're not going to be jumping my my my, my relievers.
0: That's <laughs> not how we do it in Brooklyn."
1: <laughs> but uh, did Doug Brocale not get suspended? I think he did get suspended. I don't. He wasn't. I think he got a three gamer because the but- second fight is hilarious because. Howry hits Shane Halter, and it's with two strikes and two outs in the ninth inning. Like literally, if he threw a strike, like everybody goes home and there's no additional brawl. But he hits Halter, and Halter's like really mad. He slams the bat down. And you see Doug Jones like go out of the dugout and start yelling at him. And like it's things are kind of slowly picking up again. And that's when like Doug Brocale just like runs out in a dead sprint, like Leroy Jenkins or something like that, and like charges in the middle of like four White Sox players. Mark Johnson, like the White Sox catcher, like has his back to him and doesn't even like see it coming. He just like this wild accelerant that like starts it all up. Because it seemed like maybe it wouldn't have jumped off because it wasn't that clear that like Howie was intentional, because he literally mm-hmm. had this guy in a two two count with two outs in the ninth. But I don't know, he he kind of like single handedly started the second brawl.
0: Bro Kale got four games. Okay. So and see. a one thousand dollar fine.
1: Which was probably a more significant portion of his salary back then.
0: Yeah, Bill Seamus got fined too. Which like, come on, he got beat up. You're fine. <laughs> and yeah, it was. Did he
1: even pitch in that game?
0: I don't know, but there were far more there were far more Tigers suspended or fined than there were White Sox because the Tigers were a bunch of thugs.
1: Well, because they were the bad team, so no good it as, as punks.
0: Yeah, no, that was that was the real the real beginning of like the hate affair with Robert Fick. Who suddenly became very hated to me
1: i mean was, were wasn't you he, like people taunting throwing the beer crowd? on him in the outfield
0: yeah he was taunting the crowd yeah so yes i hated robert fick from that day forward if if you're not sure what fight we're talking about or you just want to relive it just go to youtube and search you know white Sox tigers brawl 2000 it's it's great it's you could find like the full there's like a 12 minute video that has all the fights in it you know, it's just the live broadcast from the Fox Sports Net, which is what it was called at the time. Broadcast of it, it was. I remember watching it the day it happened. So it was. Yeah,
1: you know, it was. Also, uh, definitely look up to find the post game interview where Jim Parquet is very cockily saying, uh, "Yeah, we destroyed them." Because <laughs> it's, <laughs> I I don't know. I I can only dream of having a post game interview with a player who's like that.
0: <laughs> Jim Par, that was. I mean, Jim Parquet said a lot of things. During his career with the White Sox, he was he was somebody I think, if I recall correctly, like White Sox beat reporters were always happy to go interview after a game because they figured they would get a good quote out of him, and they usually did.
1: He was kind of never the same after that year, which is sad because he had a shoulder injury. But yeah, he he, he had a he probably would have gotten a, a Jimmy Stones nickname from Hawk uh, eventually. <laughs>
0: Jimmy Stones, I tell you what, DJ. You know what? I love this part. I love his attitude. Now, you know he's
1: he's got he's got stones, DJ. Jimmy Stones. I just remember like when Jesse Crane's like career was like, with the White Sox was at his peak. and If he could like somebody swing at a curveball, and Hawk would be like Jesse Stones. I'm like I think people know what that means, Hawk. <laughs> right.
0: So yeah, it was a it was a good fight. Happy anniversary, happy God. I can't believe it's been twenty years. How old are we? How old were you when the fight happened, James?
1: Uh, I was, uh, I yet to turn thirteen. Jesus, Jesus, Christ. and you! Oh wow! I mean,
0: somebody, somebody there should have been like, think of the children watching at home who this will. I
1: was daily. definitely influenced. It, it hardened me.
0: You went to school the next day and just started throwing baseballs and punches.
1: Yeah, <laughs> playing catch with my dad uh, in, the, in the backyard, just everything was at his throat the, the next day.
0: I was wrong. There weren't there weren't sixteen suspended. There were seventeen because James got suspended from school the next day. All right. Uh, time time for shout outs. I'm gonna send out a shout out to my friend Billy who uh who's who's had a rough couple days because his wife keeps posting pictures on Facebook of them as kids. And Or younger high school age And everybody is commenting about how none of his kids look like him And they all look like her And it really seems to be <laughs> It really seems to be getting to him That his genes haven't really pulled through <laughs> So I just want to send him a Consolatory shout out And say that you know Iris I, I would say she has your eyes A little bit but everything else is Charlotte's James who's your shout out for
1: Um, I am caught by surprise By our second shout out. shout out That we have to record in a day Um, I will. I will shout out. uh,
0: Giving him a peek behind the curtain,
1: James. (laughs) Shout out the restaurant, uh, Pizza Ipan Paya that we, uh, my wife and I, ordered a huge sack of fried Colombian dough from because they're delicious.
0: (laughs) You're shouting out a pizza joint, and then you. you, you you We never had the pizza from there. No, I know, but you started out by saying we ordered a huge sack of it. I thought you were going to say pizza. (laughs) i was like is this the new thing in the pizza game just a sack of pizza sacks of pizzas yeah it's it's the new. it's like there's detroit style it's the new chicago style it's it's the edgewater style it's a sack of pizza
1: (laughs) yet a new chicago variation of pizza to infuriate everybody
0: (sighs) did you see the meme going around on on twitter uh yesterday which would be wednesday because spoiler alert as James alluded to, we've, we've recorded this episode on Thursday. We're doing two
1: episodes in once. I, I did. I, I've seen extremely uh, harsh moral judgments being floated around of everyone who uh, has weighed in about uh, the style of melted cheese on bread.
0: I refuse to partake on Twitter, but I will say that I would go 456. I would go New York, Chicago Tavern, Napolitano.
1: You refuse to, you memorize the numbers?
0: Well, they were 456. It's not a hard one to forget. You know, forget.
1: I I, I like Chicago pizza. It, I've been here. I, I don't begrudge St. Louis people eating their weird pizza. No, that's sure used trash. to it If I grew up with it, it'd, it'd be that normal to me. That's fucking crackers with tomato sauce. That sounds great. That's bruschetta. People enjoy that.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry, not tomato sauce. Ketchup.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's that's strange. But you know, ketchup. You know, it it, it uh it activates a lot of a. Uh, sensory glands in your tongue and it's now, there are, for reason. There are people
0: who hate on Prevel cheese, which I understand why, but I don't think Prevel cheese is I think it's pretty decent cheese. I don't think it's it's not like the first kind of cheese I would ever go, but I don't really have like a distinct problem with it. I just have a problem with like their their crusts and their sauce.
1: I mean it doesn't look great, but I I don't know. why why are we having a war with St. Louis about what they're eating? Like why because they're near us. They're have you driven there recently? It's
0: it's kind of far it it is a far drive but i mean you know there's still a rival midwest like you know as first of all i mean you won't understand because you 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 and your bourgeois friends went to notre dame you and the 1% as as somebody who went to illinois and was immersed in a culture that was like half chicago half st louis and downstate kind of kids there there's a rivalry in there because th- there's a certain point where you cross in Illinois heading South where they hate Chicago and they all identify with St. Louis.
1: Is that uh, you know, basically 45 minutes South of Chicago. Yeah. Where it's you basically that anything point.
0: South of I 80. I mean, not, not like hard and fast rule, but once you get past South of I 80, if you're a Chicago and you're probably in, you're probably in the minority
1: as far as favor. <laughs> like, uh, uh, I'll I'll stop there because the only thing I have is probably political. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Whereas in South Bend, everybody loves each other and Jesus and the fighting Irish.
1: Uh, Only because Notre Dame is like the biggest employer in the city. Otherwise, it'd probably be full of resentment. Mm, True. Everyone's just trying to not mess up their money.
0: Yet, for some reason. Never mind. We're going to get back into the thing you were just alluding to. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening (laughs) to – this episode of white Sox business and thanks again for like what the fifth or sixth time to lucas giolito for joining us it was great i hope you enjoyed it james
1: yeah appreciate it awesome. lucas my one of my favorite interview subjects uh it's weird to talk to him through a zoom but uh, he'll have to get me through
0: right, well if if you enjoyed the interview make sure you give us a five-star review to let us know you did or you know recommend the show recommend the interview To a fellow friend, fellow fan, let them hear it because damn it, you know, everybody wants to hear Lucas Gilito talk about his video games. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time.